Chapter 18 Ketamine Hangover Glenn Halvers woke up with a massive headache and a metallic taste in his mouth. His vision was blurry, but through the fog he could see he was in a small, well-lit room, sparsely decorated white walls, with one of the walls being floor-to-ceiling glass. Beyond the glass in the hallway of sorts, a scruffy-looking white guy sat in a folding metal chair, casually reading a book. Hey! Halver shouted at Thing One, his voice raspy, barely making it out of his throat. One slowly dog-eared the current page he was reading, closed the book, and placed it carefully on his leg. He then looked up at Halvers, completely devoid of emotion, as if he was looking at a fish in an aquarium for the hundredth time. Where am I? Halvers spoke again, quietly as he looked at himself, lying down in an institutional steel-framed bed. Thing One continued to stare at him dispassionately for a few more minutes before raising his arm and talking into a microphone on his shirt cuff. Sir, this is One. Our guest is awake. Halvers watched as a man appeared to listen to instructions from an earpiece, then watched him get up and open the door for another man, someone who looked very similar. Thing Two. They both wore short hair, faded jeans, Converse sneakers and long-sleeve flannel shirts atop T-shirts. When two entered the corridor, he locked the door behind him and opened the door to Halver's room. Halver's tried to sit up. However, he saw stars, felt a sharp pain in his skull, and had to lay back down. The headache can be unpleasant, Thing One said, as if providing color commentary for Thing Two. Where the fuck am I? Halver's asked. You're in a secure location, Thing 2 replied. Why? There was an attempt on your life, Thing 1 said. I I don't remember shit. I, I want to get back. I want to get back home. Thing 1 and 2 looked at him and shook their heads slightly. You've got a ketamine hangover, 1 said, pulling out a syringe and thumping it to expel the air. This will ease the headache and make you feel better. After that, everything will be explained. Arm, please, Thing One said with an odd sense of formality that didn't quite match his attire. Instinctively, Halvers found himself sticking his arm out and doing exactly what he asked. Thirty minutes later, Halvers found himself in a small room, decorated in an odd manner considering the clinical, hospital-like feel of the room that he woke up in. The room was directly off the corridor where the man had been sitting and was tastefully decorated to look like a wealthy man's study, with dark wood paneled walls and bookshelves filled with books, marble floors, a thick wool rug, and deep leather armchairs. The only thing out of place was a singular wall devoid of decoration, with the exception of a very large mirror. The room would have actually seemed intimate if it weren't for the small table in the center of the room with two armless leather chairs positioned across the table from each other. The two men led him to one of the chairs at the small table, then abruptly left, locking the door behind them. Halver sat in uncomfortable silence, not knowing quite what to do. Though the two men hadn't been aggressive or disdainful in any way, 
he didn't get the feeling they gave a shit about him one way or the other. Sharks, that up until this point, just hadn't been hungry. He found himself anchored to the chair, complying fully with the unspoken commands of his handlers. One floor above Halvers, Rhodes sat in his office contemplating his next move. Thing one and two were about to start interrogating Glenn Halvers, the now officially dead CEO of Agrifuse. However, as he looked out of his office watching Jack and Luke pour over information and scribble notes, he thought back to something the Glasser brothers had said earlier, that one of the gifts the lightning storm gave Luke was the ability to tell if someone was lying. Bullshit, he muttered to himself. But as he thought back on it, the brothers had certainly seen through his normally buttoned-up bullshit and had gone from bait to meeting the president and now leading a forensic study of one of the most, if not the most secret, off-the-books government operations in U.S. history. He thought about it again, then decided to give it a shot and waved the brothers into his office. Rhodes wasted no time in prefacing his remarks. He simply pointed to Luke while saying to Jack, So, this ability to tell if someone's lying, is that real or just something you two pulled out of your asses to keep me from shooting you? Jack and Luke gave each other a what-the-fuck Luke. Then Luke spoke. If you're talking about me and my ability to sniff out bullshit, then yeah, that's right, Luke replied. Rhodes pondered the statement for a moment. Jack and Luke could almost hear the gears grinding in his head. He looked as if he was in some sort of emotional dilemma, and they were enjoying it on some level. They certainly didn't want to give him a reprieve by interrupting. Okay, I've got a gentleman downstairs who, for all intents and purposes, is now listed as deceased. We're about to interrogate him, Rhodes said, letting the statement hang in the air like a smell in a truck stop bathroom. Well, good for you, Jack replied. Well, good for all of us. Mr. Glenn Halvers, the CEO of Agrifuse, and someone we suspect of being a key player in the organization, is downstairs. He was on your girlfriend's shit list. She made an attempt on his life, however, we intervened on his behalf. He's currently coming off a ketamine bender. We're thinking if he's approached in the correct manner, with a little extra insight from you, Rhodes said, pointing at Luke, he might be so inclined to help us out a bit and share the info on the group of assholes he works with. He's not going to flip, Jack countered. If he's truly organization, and they're as bad as you say they are, he's probably more afraid of them than you. Rhodes nodded in agreement. Under normal circumstances, I'd agree with you. However, by tomorrow afternoon, Mr. Glenn Halvers, former CEO of Agrifuse, will be listed as dead, the victim of a heart attack. There will be no wake or open casket because it was found that Mr. Halvers was accidentally cremated. So officially, he's dead with nothing to lose, except his real life, of course. Rhodes let the words hang for a moment. No shit, Luke replied. I shit you negative, Rhodes shot back. Was he the guy we... Luke caught himself quickly. 
remembering Rhodes had no idea they'd actually eavesdrop on his conversation with the president. We thought the organization may go after, Luke continued. Appears to be. We followed Beth Colby, you know, his girlfriend, Rhodes said, looking at Jack, to New York and short-circuited her plan. She's not my girlfriend, Jack shot back. Call her anything, but don't call her that. Rhodes put up his hand in a sign of acquiescence. Fine, whatever. The fact remains that we have a high-value target downstairs, and we're about to have a tete-a-tete with him. If your brother here can add some insight, then maybe you two should watch. Luke shrugged, and Jack raised his eyebrows. Guess it couldn't hurt, Luke said. On the way out of the office, Luke called Bosco off the sofa in the corner. He got up, quickly sensing something cool or at least different was about to happen. Rhodes gave a visible stank face as the dog wedged himself between Jack and Luke. Really? he asked. Jack looked at him and then the dog. Really, he said. They found themselves in a room behind glass, staring at Halvers who, though not disheveled, didn't look completely together either. He hadn't shaved and was dressed in institutional-looking blue cotton twill pants and a white short-sleeved polyester button-down shirt. They took notice of the odd layout of the room and the relatively clubby decor, with the exception of the interrogation table. Who decorated the room? Your grandmother? Luke asked. Rhodes cut his eyes at him. We've found that when interrogation rooms are nicer and more comfortable than holding cells, subjects are more apt to want to stay and chat instead of going back to their cell. Holding cell? You have a prison in here too? What the hell? Jack blurted. Rhodes turned and shook his head as if he was talking to a child. It's not a prison, and he's the only person being detained by us. That gentleman over there is only on this side of the dirt because he was fortunate enough to have us intervene on his behalf. At this point, Mr. Halvers' life, as he once knew it, it's over. It was over the moment he got sideways with someone who wanted him dead. If I cut him loose and let him out of here, he's a dead man walking. Your girlfriend, Rhodes caught himself. I mean, Beth Colby will see to that. He blew out a deep breath. So for now, he's in a state of perpetual protective custody until he can provide us with something that makes it worth our while to go offer him a more permanent and attractive solution. Makes sense to you? Rhodes asked. You just can't hold him indefinitely. It's unconstitutional, Jack said. I'm no legal scholar. But in case you hadn't figured it out, this little adventure within the Department of Agriculture is one big shade of gray, and clandestine is an organization we're hunting. If there weren't organization moles and complicit actors within the ranks of our esteemed government institutions, we wouldn't have to be covert. Our sole mission here isn't just focused on the organization, or whatever it really is, but about getting to the bottom of an existential government crisis. He raised his eyebrows for emphasis. Holy shit, this guy can spend some bullshit, Luke thought. Fine. Whatever, Jack acquiesced. Get on with the show and see if Luke can help. 
Thing one entered the room as two pulled up a seat next to Rhodes behind the glass. He looked at the brothers and the dog and then looked at Rhodes, raising his eyebrows. Rhodes just shrugged as two sat down and smirked, knowing how much Rhodes disliked dogs and involving non-essential personnel in anything. The interrogation was courteous, neither friendly nor antagonistic. Thing two took the better part of an hour to explain to Halvers what his situation actually was, an attempt to answer the barrage of questions Halvers had. Basically, it was the reiteration of, the organization wanted you dead, we intervened, and you're not dead yet. Because of that, we want more information on the organization. Halvers, on the other hand, was still stuck on, what organization? Where am I? I don't know what you're talking about. Plus, one of his favorites, who are you and when can I leave? Jack and Luke weren't experts in interrogation. However, they could see it wasn't going the way anyone hoped. I guess waterboarding is next, Jack asked sarcastically. Thing two's expression suggested that he didn't think it was a bad idea. Rhodes shook his head involuntarily, then looked at Luke. What do you think? I think your guy out there is about to put me to sleep, Luke replied. I mean, can you tell if he's lying, Rhodes continued. How the hell can I tell that? I'm here in a small fucking cubicle behind a fucking window and he's out there repeating the same useless shit. If you actually want me to determine if he's lying, there's no way I can do it from here, Luke said. Rhodes didn't take the bait. So you have to be face to face, he asked. Well, yeah, I need to be close, to have him talk to me instead of someone else 20 feet away behind glass. It's like watching a TV series on PBS from here. I can't tell shit, Luke said. Maybe I can let you sit in as long as you don't say anything, Rhodes said. Jack interrupted. You don't get it. Watching a conversation and being a part of a conversation are two different things. Luke's the one that needs to talk to him. Negative, Rhodes replied. Your brother's got no experience leading an interrogation. Look, he's no black ops guy, Jack said, then turned and looked at Thing 2. No offense. Thing 2 just nodded as if it was no big slight, and Jack continued. But Luke is as good as anyone in getting someone to open up. Let him in and see what happens. You already said he isn't going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, what can it hurt, Jack asked. Rhodes took a few minutes to ponder the situation. Thing one, sure as shit, wasn't getting anywhere with this guy at the moment. Maybe it was a cocktail of drugs, or Halvers was really good, or he didn't really believe his current situation. Fine, Rhodes relented. He whispered something into a microphone connected to Thing One's earpiece. Thing One excused himself from the room. Rhodes turned to Luke. He's all yours. Well, what can I tell him? Anything off limits? Luke asked. Nothing about our operation, and certainly nothing about the Department of Agriculture. If this guy eventually opens up, I'd like to be able to release him back into the wild with some protection. You tell him too much, and you'll be putting him in an unmarked grave, Rhodes said coldly. Shit, Luke mumbled. No friggin' pressure at all. He mentally summoned Bosco. 
Rhodes looked at Bosco, then Jack. Really? he asked. When Luke walked into the room with Bosco and sat down, it was obvious that Halvers didn't know what the hell to think. He looked at Luke, an early 20-something, and Bosco, trying to make the jumble of thoughts in his head fall into place. Luke pushed the chair back and off to the side instead of face-to-face, like it was a jailhouse conversation. Luke rubbed Bosco for a moment, just long enough to get Bosco to get his hind leg tapping on the floor in unison. I'm sorry, Halvers finally asked. Who are you? Luke could tell, as benign the question was, there was contempt behind it. Oh, my apologies. I'm Luke Glasser, Luke said, with no weight behind the apology. This is my dog, Bosco, now that we're being formal. Luke saw a momentary flash of recognition with Halvers when he said his name. He let the following silence hang for a few minutes, continuing to pet the dog and not paying attention to Halvers. Heard my name, huh? Luke asked nonchalantly. Halvers gave him a blank stare. I have no clue who you are, and I don't care. I want to be released. Where's the other guy? Halvers asked. Glenn, how do you know my name? Halvers interjected. Seriously? You don't watch any television shows? There's microphones all around here. They're listening to us now. I know your name because I was sitting behind the mirror over there watching your previous conversation. So yeah, I know your name. I also know you're not a dumbass. However, you are full of shit, Luke said casually with a shrug and continued. I'm just here to help you de-shitify yourself. Think of it as an emotional enema. Sounds awful, but makes you feel so good afterwards, Luke said. Behind the glass, thing one leaned close to Rhodes. Is de-shitify a word? I like it, he said with a wink. I already told the other guy everything I know, Halvers said. I don't know what you could possibly want. You mean, what could we possibly want from a dead man? Luke said. Halvers shook his head in annoyance. If that's the case, then I'm certainly in hell. Luke laughed. Funny, he said. He connected with Bosco quickly and knew his approach was having the desired effect. He could sense Halvers' heart rate rise and smell the new perspiration forming. The fact that there was a significant age disparity between the two of them was creating tension. He could tell Halvers was used to pushing people around, using his default white man authority. Having to sit there with someone so young in a position of power was killing him. Luke decided to use that as leverage and throw a little gas on the fire. He shot Bosco a series of pictures, to which the dog quickly responded. The hair on Bosco's back shot up as he got up from the carpet and slowly stalked over to Halvers' chair. He began to bare his teeth, enormous canine teeth, and emitted a low, menacing growl, staring him down as if he was trying to determine which part of his face he was going to bite off first. Halvers was shocked, and everyone sitting behind the glass started shitting bricks. What the fuck, Rhodes said, turning to one and two. That's cool, thing one replied lazily. What the hell are you doing, Jack shot Luca thought. I've got this, man, 
don't freak. And tell Rhodes not to freak out either. Just let me play this out, Luke replied. So, along with being able to sit, fetch, and roll over, my dog here, Bosco, has an absolutely magnificent bullshit detector, Luke said. Rhodes shot Jack a what-the-fuck look. Jack just shrugged and grinned. Don't worry, Luke's got this, he said. Halvers was bewildered, looking at Luke and the dog, trying to figure out what the hell was happening. Seriously, Glenn, I mean it, Luke said. He can literally sniff out a lie. Funny thing is, we all talk about hating bullshit in the abstract. Well, Bosco here, he takes it to another level, gets pissed, and starts biting the shit out of things. People, you name it. Luke turned to the dog. Sit, B. Okay, Halver said as if he was trying to calm down a lunatic. No, Glenn, it's more than okay. It's really fucking cool, Luke said, smiling. From the other side of the glass, Rhodes looked at Jack. What in Christ's name is he doing? If that fucking dog of yours hurts that some bitch, I'm going to put him down myself. Don't worry, he's just working an angle. Bosco won't bite him, Jack said, hoping that he actually wouldn't. He had never seen Bosco act that way before, and he was starting to wonder. Okay, truth or dare, Luke said. I'll ask you a question, and you can either lie or tell the truth. Up to you. But seriously, this big brown toothy fucker who's growling at you, well, he wants you to lie so he can eat your face, Luke said, shrugging it off as if it was just a minor oddity that he felt the need to point out. Halvers was completely scared shitless. Okay. Let's get a bullshit baseline. So, Luke said, here we go. Who's the first person you had sex with, he asked. Halvers paused. What? Bosco's growls started getting louder and he was beginning to stand up. Becky Moynan, Halvers finally shouted, shaking in his seat. Bosco growled louder and began stalking him again. Okay, Glenn, well, that was the wrong answer. You care to amend that statement? Luke asked. Halvers stared at the dog coming toward him again. Robert Samples, he finally shouted. Bosco wagged his tail and backed off. Experimental phase or a life choice? Luke deadpanned. Experimental, Halvers shot back, clearly pissed. See, that was the truth, Luke said. Completely and 100% dog verified. I told you it was cool. Luke smiled and nodded his head at him like he was a kid getting ice cream. Okay, next question. What was the nickname your mom used to call you? Rabbit, Halvers blurted. Bosco wagged his tail again, but still growling. This is good. We're starting to get somewhere. Now, why don't you tell me how long you've been involved with the organization, Luke said. Halvers' eyes got wide. I don't know what you're talking about. In an instant, Luke knew that was a lie and shot Bosco a picture of what to do. Bosco shot up, snapping and barking, jumping up on Halvers' chest. All Halvers saw was snapping teeth and felt 80 pounds of pissed-off dog standing on his chest. Bosco's mouth lather sprang on him. Bosco, 
Luke said calmly as the dog sat back down, his teeth still bared and growling. Luke turned to Halvers. Now, Glenn, that was a lie. The next time you lie, I'm not going to stop him, Luke said. Luke sat back in his seat and ordered Bosco to lay down. He changed the subject. You know you're dead, right? I mean, not literally, but everybody thinks you're dead. I heard the other gentleman tell you that, but I don't think you really believe that, do you? Luke asked. Halver shook his head no. Well, your business acquaintances tried to kill you. I believe they're called the organization, and I'm pretty sure you know why, Luke said. Luke let him marinate silently for two straight minutes. Don't believe me? Well, this is who organized it, Luke said, as he picked up his phone and showed him a picture of Beth. She was the one who organized the hit and sent the young lady to your room. You've seen her before, right? Luke asked. Halver shook his head, yes, in recognition, while Bosco growled a bit, but otherwise stayed put. Yeah, me too. She was my brother's girlfriend. Hot, I'm telling you, but a bitchy psycho killer. Luke calmly remarked. Glenn, tomorrow the news outlets will report on your untimely death. I'd be happy to bring you newspapers or watch the news with you over a ham and egg biscuit. But I think you know I'm telling you the truth. You know what they do to people who step out of line. Halvers rubbed his head, his situation becoming clearer. Luke continued. We want to know about the organization. You're in the nothing-to-lose category. I think you know it. Your life as you know it is over, and it's time to think about your second act. The sooner you can get on with whatever new life you think you want. Luke could tell that he still had Halvers's full attention. So, can you please tell me about what you know about the organization now, so my dog doesn't have to rip off your face? It didn't take long for Glenn Halvers to bear his soul. Everything he knew started tumbling out of him, while Rhodes wrote down notes feverishly in the next room, despite all the recording devices. The more Halvers talked, the more evident it was that the organization really didn't trust its members much either. He described his occasional one-on-one -on -one meetings with someone named Draper, conference calls with others, delegates in their recent meeting in Memphis, he told him he didn't know all of the other member companies, just the ten or so major industry delegates he had met. He didn't know Draper's first name or who he was other than a stiff corporate type who had the look and feel of someone who could either dissect your balance sheet or kill you without remorse, depending on what was required. So, you recognize my name, Luke said. Why don't you tell me about that? I recognize your last name, Halvers said. Draper has been going on and on about Jack Glasser. Apparently he views him as a threat. Says he knows more than he should about the organization's market machinations, Halvers said. Luke nodded as if he knew who Draper was. Why does he think that, he asked. Market trades are all I heard about, Halvers said. Other than that, I don't know much. He could tell Luke wasn't buying it and continued. Look, you don't get it. Part of the beauty of this thing is I really don't have to know much. 
Draper or the organization takes care of everything. I'll give them a heads up on any merger and acquisition activity, new products if we're going to hit our numbers or stuff like that. Or maybe he'll suggest that I look into a specific acquisition or new vendor relationship. However, the beauty of it is we've never done anything unless it made sense to the company. That keeps us out of lawsuits on the prying eyes of the SEC. What do you get in return, Luke asked. In return, he has a broker that I use that gives me advice about certain stocks or positions I should take, always in companies that I know nothing about with executive teams with whom I've got no connection. There's never any direct link to show insider trading. I've never been questioned once. There have been times where I wanted to pull the plug. Some of the stuff he's told me looked like shit six months in. But part of the arrangement is that there's a nine-month minimum hold period where I can't sell or do anything. But I've never been burned. He's always right. After nine months, I always make out, Halvers said. Luke nodded, appreciating the beauty of it all. As long as the major corporate heads involved were making money in an apparent legitimate fashion, no one would say anything. He could also tell Halvers was holding back. So, how did you go from trusted delegate to being on the shit list? Halvers took a deep breath of resignation. I had a pet project. When I said all I had to do was give a little information, well, there was more. There were contributions that needed to be made. They were done by selecting a series of vendors who would then invoice us. In effect, for nothing. That's where the operating budget came from. I knew there were money laundering facilities. One was a weed farm, and I've heard of others too. What and where they are exactly, I don't know, and I didn't want to know. I just knew the expenses we subsidized were never enough to flag an audit, Halver said. Well, where does your pet project fit into all this, Luke asked. One of the operations directors reached out to me. He asked about a guy who worked for me, then started talking about a plan to use my employees' past research to create a food blight, then own the cure. Some virus is what he said. It would have created billions in value for my company. My employee, Gene Gomes, said he could do it, that it was a no-brainer, Halver said. Magnus, right? Luke interrupted. Magnus was the operation director you mentioned. Yeah, but how do you know that? Don't worry about that. Just go on, Luke chided. Well, at the Memphis meeting, the board meeting, I found out Magnus died in a plant fire at the Greenleaf facility. Traper was pissed because he didn't realize Magnus had a side deal working. He also didn't know he was working with me on it. So Draper didn't have a clue Magnus was helping you on the side project? Luke asked. No, I just assumed Magnus told him everything, Halvers said. Luke smiled. He could tell that Halvers was lying. To make his point, he had Bosco start growling again. Quinn, that's bullshit. Fine, Halvers said, putting up his hands. Magnus wanted me to back him if and when he could pull off a coup against Draper. I just told him what he wanted to hear. I had my doubts that Magnus would ever be able to get close to pulling something like that off. 
Draper never knew I had agreed to back Magnus. He was just pissed that I'd been testing Magnus's product and deployed it. Thoughts flashed between Jack and Luke, Jack asking a million questions, seemingly all at once. What do you mean you deployed it? You didn't actually spray that shit anywhere, did you? Luke asked. His face was registering disbelief. Of course I did, Halvers responded incredulously. Well, not me. Gomes, my employee, did it, actually. I've had the virus as well as the vaccine. Seemed to be working, too. Gomes just needed more time to complete testing. When Draper found out, he went into a rage. He said it didn't work. But from what I heard from Gomes, it worked. Luke shook his head in disbelief. Glenn, after talking to you, I'm starting to appreciate this guy Draper's decision to kill your ass. You are a weapons-grade fuck-up, Luke said. Halver's jaw dropped, immediately taken aback by the abrupt change in tone. Luke continued, There is no antidote, cure, vaccine, whatever you want to call it. What they had never worked. And do you know how I know this? Because the guy who created it confessed to my brother Jack that it didn't work. It'll sure as shit kill plants, but the vaccine won't fix a goddamn thing. That's why they killed him. Halford's expression told Luke everything he needed to know. But you knew that already, Luke said, scanning his reaction. Halvers shifted in his seat. That's what Draper said, but I didn't know for sure. I thought he might be trying to make me squirm. Well, he is, you dumb motherfucker, Luke said, dropping any pretense of sparing his feelings. Compliments of your boss and his blonde-haired psychopath. And no, finishing Halver's unspoken question, Gomes is not dead as in pretend dead like you, but really fucking dead. The same person who wanted your death to look like an accident put a bullet in his skull. Glenn Halver's face went white as he truly began to understand his life as he knew it was truly over.